five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher, and this is the Space Q Podcast. Before we get to this week's podcast, I need to talk to you about the podcast. For two years now, we've been producing this podcast. It's freely available, and the feedback we've been getting from you is great. Aside from the feedback, we can tell our audience is growing by our statistics. But even as our audience has grown nicely, there are a lot of people who don't know we exist. A lot. You can help us. Tell your friends. Tell your colleagues. Help us get the word out there. And here's another way you can directly help us. If you listen to us using Apple Podcasts, please write a review. And that includes you, our international listeners. We need those reviews so that Apple will notice us. We need this direct feedback. The podcast is also available on Spotify, Google Music, SoundCloud, and podcast apps. Tell your friends. Now, I have some news. We're currently working on a new pop-up podcast. If all goes well, then in early September, we're going to launch this new podcast with a new host familiar to some of you. I'll leave it there and give you more details in subsequent podcasts. To produce this podcast and the new pop-up podcast, we also need your financial help. Our podcast is freely available, but like any business, we need revenue to keep it going. You can support us by becoming a patron. We use a service called Patreon to collect a monthly fee from those who feel they are getting a service from us that warrants them supporting us. I can't say it any simpler. We need your support. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash spaceq and consider making a small monthly contribution. Okay, now on to the podcast. This past week, we were at the Canadian Aeronautics and Space Institute's Astro 2019 conference in Laval, Quebec. The theme was Space for Business. One of the plenary sessions we recorded and present here is the speech of Canadian Space Agency President Sylvain Laporte. It is, very, it is a very different speech from what he said a year ago at this conference when the government had yet again rejected the space plan as proposed. While the listener will come away feeling good about Canada's space program, as they should compared to a year ago, We've added some context to the speech in an article we've posted to the SpaceQ website. All the stories related to the conference are being tagged as Astro 2019 on our website. We're still publishing some of those stories. There'll be more next week. The show notes include the link to these stories. Listen in. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> let me find my way up front here without falling. All right. Bien, bonjour tout le monde. Bienvenue à, bienvenue à Laval. Bienvenue à cette uh, conférence annuelle de, de Cassie. It's a pleasure to be here with you uh, today. 
um, such a nice, uh, a nice day as well. So travel was easy and uh, things went uh, went very smoothly. I hope for you, uh, for you as well. Um, we are a few days past a uh, an historic event for Canada's space program. Um, last week, as you should all be well aware of, um, we successfully launched our three um, RCM satellites. So Canada has three new assets for Earth observation in space uh, this week. I'm very happy to report that it was a very successful launch. Um, all three satellites are green. Two of the satellites are ready for commissioning, and we're on schedule to uh, complete the uh, the LEOP for the uh, third satellite. And then shortly, uh, in the next day or two, all three will be ready for uh, ready for commissioning. And then the work to operationalize them will begin. And the sooner we get some some clear images, uh, the better it's going to be for uh, all of our all of the users of our data. I think there's one thing I'd like to bring to your attention. Um, with respect to, uh, to that program. Um, hopefully many of you have witnessed it, but um, we saw a great deal of support from the user community of the, the launch of these three satellites. Um, in Ottawa, in Montreal, pretty much across the country, we got uh, witness accounts of people coming together to watch the launch and to uh, and to watch the release of the three satellites, um, it certainly was a, a fantastic spectacle. That's for sure. Um, I think uh, the the picture of the uh, of the satellites being pushed into space um, is something that I will remember for the rest of my life. Um, it was a, a very exhilarating experience. But the point is that you know all of these people all gathered to look at the launch of some space assets and. Um, that doesn't happen often um, in what we do. Typically, you'll see that for astronauts when we put astronauts in space, and that's understandable. But now we're talking about satellites, and we're talking about the users of these satellites, which shows their investment in the success of our space program, because we are about to enable some fantastic scientific discoveries because of these three satellites. So I thought I'd highlight that at the, uh, at the beginning of uh, the time I have with you here today. So um, I do have a number of things to cover um, with you before the DGs come on board and, uh, and give you some of the, uh, the specific highlights to the specific programs. Um, but nonetheless, I think I've got some key messages that are um, of importance to, uh, to deliver to you, um, especially considering you know, what has happened over the course of the last year. So at the conference in, in Quebec last year, um, you know, I had the unduly pleasure of addressing the elephant in the room, uh, which basically was that we got no funding into, in the budget 2018. Um, that was not a particularly pleasant uh, experience, uh, you know, with respect to public speaking, having to basically say that, you know, we did not get the resources that we had expected or that we had, uh, we had requested. Um, but nonetheless, we are a resilient group. We are a very determined group. Um, it took you know, a few days, maybe a week, but not much more, um, before we shook it off and uh, went back to work. And here we are today, um, you know, $2 billion uh, 
um, of, of new investments into, uh, into the space program, some new programs, and, and boy, what, what a difference a year can make as we go forward. Now that we are and, and have achieved success, um, it's important to go back and look at how we've achieved success because that could prescribe how we need to um, you know, think of how we should behave and operate in the future. And having worked in a number of different sectors of industry and a num number of different um, government uh, uh, operations, one thing that I think um, stood apart for the space program is that we spoke with one voice. That, I believe, was key in providing that level of confidence to our decision makers that if all of us are, are aligned with where we'd like to go and what we'd like to do, that's a good sign. That's a positive sign. It also provides um, politicians with that notion that um, the risks of investing in something only to find out that there's a vocal minority somewhere that's going to make a great big negative of it are that much more reduced. So speaking one, with one voice was, was certainly very key um, in, in helping the decision to, uh, to invest in the, uh, in the space program. Um, now, we do have that investment, and in all of the discussions that I've had the, the opportunity to, to participate in, um, I think it's going to be important for us as a space community to understand that we were very successful in taking space and the perception of space from being a lot of money for a few people to benefit, namely a few astronauts and a few engineers who had fun building the widget. We suffered from that, right? So, and that was not too far back in our past. That was just a few years ago. And we had to change the discourse. We had to change the perception that that was what was happening. And contrast that to where we are today with, with the massive investments that we just got. Investments which are based on the understanding that the space program is a showpiece for innovation in Canada. Right? That's a big step. And we were able to do that in a few years. Okay, so the investments are about, you know, building technology for the future. There's no doubt about it. But I think what's more important and where the decision makers um, hinge their decision is that they see the space program as that innovation platform that is able to deliver on building the workforce of tomorrow, that is capable of delivering um, uh, for youth that inspiration for them to go above and beyond, that is capable of taking science to the next level, and when you wrap all of that up together, that is also capable of delivering on key societal and economic benefits. So that's a long way off from, you know, a, a few toys for a few people. So 
we've worked very hard, and I say we, all of us have worked very, very hard to change that perception, and we were very successful in changing that. All right? So, over the course of the last year, back in February, the Prime Minister announced a $2 billion investment for Canada's participation in the Lunar Gateway Program. $2 billion is a very material number. It's a very, very large number. What's also very important, it's a 24-year commitment. 24. For governments where, you know, maybe a four-year program, maybe a five-year program, 24-year commitment. That signals very clearly that politicians understand the need for long-term commitments in space, and they have, and that we can go back to our international partners and very strongly say that we're looking for the piece of the pie that is in consideration for our long-term commitment in this program. So this announcement was material um, in, in quite a number of, of different dimensions. So shortly after that, the strategy was released by Minister Baines in Edmonton, Alberta. And the strategy is about delivering on a long-term balanced space program. Yes, for sure, the Prime Minister's announcement was about exploration. And we're talking about something material and something very, very big, something that is uh, uh, going to be with us for a few generations and is going to make Canadians very, very proud. Don't want to minimize that. That is an anchor of our, of our strategy. But the, the, the strategy that was released shortly after the Prime Minister's announcement um, is also very, very clear that that is not going to be the only anchor point of the strategy. We are seriously going to invest into other areas of the, spa the space program to make sure that it is going to be balanced. So with respect to that, um, we're looking at different ways of doing business within the, within the agency. And as part of the balanced space program, as part of the new strategy, we are very committed on delivering more science missions. We're very committed on uh, committing to long-term EO programs. Um, and we're going to be committed in delivering on some uh, disruptive technologies as well. So how are we going to do that? Well, because we didn't get any more funding than from the exploration program. Well, if you look at the budget of the CSA, the A-Base, sorry to go technical and financial on you here, but bear with me for a second. Um, in our A-Base, there was a substantial amount of money for exploration to do those things. So now with the, the lunar program and our investment there, we're able to free up some of the A-base so that we can do other things. We can do more science, 
right? We can do more inspiration outreach activities with, uh, with youth and whatnot. So without having had um, a new influx of funds for those other things, we're able to move things around within the agency and now look at funding, um, for example, brand new science missions. So to that end, um, you know that we've begun the Wildfire Sat project. We've got KeySat going. Um, we're having discussions with our uh, colleagues within government for loosely defined something related to water, which we'll call, uh, which we'll call WaterSat. Um, we're also having discussions with respect to solar earth science, um, a mission called, uh, called SMILE. Um, a few years ago, we were not in the world of committing um, to any missions in those areas. Although now we've started them, um, we are fairly certain that we'll be able to deliver on something. So don't read from this conversation that all of those missions are committed, they're not. But we're taking the very first steps in a very serious manner in the hopes that we will be able to, uh, to deliver on them. We've also established the new team, put together the new team in uh, Eric La Liberté's shop to uh, continue um, the SAR data program that we've got that started with RadarSat 1, 2, now RCM. End of life for RCM is 2026. Um, so the team has been set up already at the space agency to look at what are we gonna do in 2026? And we're taking a similar whole of government approach um, to identify the needs and look for partners and, and, and you know, build this up um, just like RCM so that you know, we have a, a better chance of success in securing the, uh, securing the funds to go forward with that. So that's committed and, uh, and uh, the team is, uh, is funded as we, uh, as we go forward. Um, with the hopes of continuing collecting the SAR data. And I gave the team um, some interesting mandates in that um, within about a two-year time frame, we should have some options to consider in terms of what we're going to do for uh, EO in, uh, in the future. And I, I asked them for a technology agnostic uh, uh, solution. So don't start this project thinking that we're gonna to have to build a satellite or in the reverse thinking that we're just gonna go buy data. We may have to build a satellite. So start with an open mind. Let's define the, uh, the requirements for EO going into the future and uh, let's look at presenting those options to government. And in the process of doing so, if uh, you've paid attention to uh, you know, Earthcast and Northstar, they're, they're looking at providing Canadian solutions that not only provide SAR, but other types of technology as well. So who knows? Tomorrow we may be looking at some other types of technologies to complement the SAR technology. Now the interest in, in complementing the SAR technology is because of the long-term research requirements. 
right? We've been using SAR for quite a number of years, and a lot of the science um, requires historical data for lengthy uh, spans of time to be conclusive on things like climate change and soil erosion and ice, uh, ice uh, flow melting and, and whatnot. So we are still going to be committed in delivering the, uh, the SAR data cap capability beyond the uh, 2026 uh, timeframe. So with respect to, uh, to space, um, you know, as I alluded to earlier, uh, politicians and our, and our decisions maker, makers looked at, you know, what kind of benefits can we get from investing in space as we go forward? And sure, they're interested in technology and they're interested in making sure that Canada maintains its very strong position in space robotics, and by the way, now we're going to combine AI to that. Um, and and you know, as you know, and hopefully you do know, uh, Montreal, Toronto are, are becoming centers of expertise at the global level for artificial intelligence. So now bringing that strength to bear on already a very strong uh, robotics uh, niche for space um, is a great combination to a uh, great combination to make. But over and above the technological challenges that we face, um, there are expectations when the government makes such a large investment into a program. And it behooves all of us in the space program to understand that before we go up for another request for a large investment, we are going to need to prove that in 2019, when they invested in us with high hopes that we would deliver on some benefits, that we will in fact be measuring those benefits and reporting on them and, sh and making sure that as we um, deliver on these, these government expectations, um, that the Canadian space program is seen as a leader in innovation. So what am I talking about? Um, there are expectations, and, and you know these are the, 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 the government platforms. Um, there are expectations that with this investment, um, we're going to be attracting highly qualified people to work in Canada, to work in our companies. We're going to expect that our universities will have sufficient funding, sufficient support, both from the private sector and from the government, to produce Canadian HQPs as we go forward. There's expectations of seeing more women in science. There's expectations of, of seeing more investments in fundamental science. There's expectations in growing SMEs. There's expectations in commercializing what we do. There's expectations that if the government invests in a particular technology, um, whether you as a prime or as a, as a member of its supply chain, um, that there will be spinning in and spinning out opportunities related to that investment. So, yes, we're going to be building Canada Arm 3. Big arm, small arm. You know, that's the table stake. But let's not kid ourselves. In our future, we will need to go back and substantiate other investments in a few years, right? Let's make sure 
that the next time we do so, that we have taken the time and the effort to collect and report on all of those things that are part of the government agenda and that are very important for them. If we don't do that, let me be very clear, if we're not capable of demonstrating that we've created new middle class jobs and you know, women in science and all of those things, I don't want to repeat myself here, we will not maintain our preeminent position as an innovation showpiece in Canada. There's a lot of, of competition to be held at that high of a, of a level. The good thing, it attracts investment. The cost to it, we're gonna have to work hard to keep our position. So let me be clear about the message. We have to deliver on the technology and we have to do it in very innovative ways, in very creative ways. But that's our bread and butter. That's what, we, that's what we're good at. That's what, is, that's what makes Canadians so uh, sought after partner at the international global level. Where we're gonna need to change are those other things. Spinning in, spinning out. You know, sometimes we hear someone who speaks about it and we may do a profile. Tomorrow, we must have the discipline of making sure that those things are highlighted and reported upon, right? So that's gonna require us to somewhat behave differently, to communicate differently, to share things differently, right? Because it's gonna be in, in our benefit and our best interest to do so as we go, as we go forward. Um, just wanna make sure I'm keeping with my notes here. With respect to you know, the, the strategy um, and, the, uh, and the government agenda, um, many of you were expecting a long-term space plan. You know, at some point, even at the CSA, we were looking at building the long-term space plan. But over time, and, and looking at a number of scenarios and looking at a number of options, um, we rightfully decided to instead deliver on a long-term strategy, which provides vision going forward. And it didn't take long after we announced the strategy, after the Prime Minister's um, announcement back in February at the, uh, at the CSA in saint Sophia, that we realized the benefit of having done a strategy instead of a long-term space plan. So a long-term space plan, historically, if you go back, uh, back to the 2000s and the 1980s, um, was a list with a plan of funded missions, funded projects, funded investments over time. Um, the strategy doesn't prescribe that in that kind of detail, and it doesn't have to. It's very directional, but also very clear in terms of where we are going, and, and from where we are going, that certainly will drive priority as to what we will invest in. So a couple weeks after the Prime Minister's announcement, Vice President Pence challenges the NASA to accelerate the human landing from the plan 2028 to 2024. 
had we had a government approved, whether cabinet or treasury board, but such a, such a, a, a high level committee, um, had we had approved a long-term space plan, two weeks after the plan would have been released, we would have had to go back and have an amendment to it to accommodate the changes to the lunar program. Um, that would not have been fun, right? It would have been lengthy, and it probably would have had a little bit of negativity attached to it. So I take that as validation of our decision not to release a long-term space plan, to build the plan as we go forward. We've got a vision. The CSA will be reporting annually on our progress towards that vision. It requires planning. It requires a long-term view of what we need to do. It requires us to collaborate with you in building plans and for us to report on the progress we're gonna make going forward. So in essence, we have a plan and we will continue to have a plan that we will be uh, making public to you because uh, you're gonna help us build it. So don't want you to believe that I'm saying let's just willy-nilly go forward without a plan. We will be very, very organized in terms of, of going forward. Um, it's just that it won't be a government-sanctioned high-level plan as we've seen in the, in the past, right? So um, that may have been a bit of a disappointment to some of you that we didn't produce a long-term space plan. Now you know why that is, and hopefully um, you'll acknowledge that a long-term vision with resources, with the ability to go back to the budget cycle and get resources if we need to, um, gives us the flexibility we need in delivering success for the future. So I'd just like to talk about um, some of the items that we're going to be going forward in, uh, in doing here. Um, yes, merci. So two examples I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to highlight with respect to the go forward position. Um, one is youth diversity and partnerships. So with the $2 billion announcement and the lunar program announcement, hopefully you've noticed that we're gonna go forward with a, a STEM outreach uh, program called uh, Junior Astronauts. I must share with you that when we went forward talking about, you know, talking with the government with respect to participation in the lunar program and everything else, they were, were actually beyond building the arm. They were about, okay, space is so popular, we can leverage its popularity and inspire youth a whole lot more than we've done in the past. Hence the funding for the junior astronaut program. So in the minds of our senior decision makers, they've attached the popularity of space to not only keeping youth in school, but attracting some of them to STEM disciplines, okay? 
ceux de vous qui viennent du, du Québec, puis vous avez lu la presse ce matin, vous avez vu, c'était sur la première page, « There's labor shortage in Québec. And probably I could have picked up any paper, uh, the Globe and Mail for Toronto or the West, and would have seen the same thing, right? There's shortages of, of people everywhere. So, given the importance of getting that, that manpower in and attracting folks to come to, to Canada, they're looking at leveraging the popularity of space. That is not the job, singularly, of the Canadian Space Agency to do that. You, particularly those of you that, that are, are far away from, uh, from Ottawa, Toronto, or Montreal, um, have also a responsibility of making sure that in your own region, you are able to go out and attract youth, go out and make sure that we can develop the capacity of tomorrow so that we can attract them to Canada or attract them to your university and keep them into a STEM program. And there's an expectation now at the, the, the junior astronaut, it's going to be a national program. There's an expectation now that we, as a space program, will be successful in doing that. So I'm now challenging you, particularly those of you in the, in the private sector, of looking at what you do in that line of thought, in that area of, of activity, because this is a shared responsibility. And we're going to need to show that the space program is better than others at youth outreach and youth in STEM. Okay? We're about creating well-paying jobs. All right, so we're going to make a, a major investment in robotics. We're going to make a major investment in EO. We're going to make, you know, small to medium investments in, in science. Um, Again, yes, the technology is important. The science data that we're going to get from science missions is very important. But we need to realize that that needs to also come with creating those sought-after employment and jobs in Canada. Right? So should you become a prime for one of these investments, there will be expectations that through this government investment that the SMEs you will work with as a prime are going to grow. And with that growth, they'll also be able to commercialize on some of the investments that we've made. So you see the domino effect? And that becomes the bragging rights for uh, the bragging rights that we will be using in the future the next time we need to go up to government. Look, you've invested so much in us, this is how much we've created. Right? So we're going to need to find that new mechanism to exchange those stories and make sure that we collect those facts as we go forward so we can report properly on them. The role of the CSA is also going to evolve, um, especially with the commercial space element, um, if I'm to focus on one of the many elements that we'll be looking at changing or modernizing. Um, but with respect to commercial space, we clearly see our role as an enabler to you in the private sector, an enabler to your success. Um, we do quite a number of things um, to help. Some of them are new, some of them are old. 
So in terms of new, we do, well, we have been doing for the last year or so, a lot of B2B meetings between Canadian SMEs and large global space companies. We basically go to these companies a year before the B2B activity, and uh, typically I meet them at international conferences, and they'll come to me and say, hey, you could be a great customer for, for, for our company. You know, uh, are you interested in buying some of our products? And we will say, well, if and when we do, you're gonna need to show to our government that you've got Canadian presence in your supply chain. Hence their interest in coming to Saint-Hubert and meeting with some of you. Um, we've held a very successful um, investment conference in the uh, early months of the, uh, of the year in Toronto, um, where we brought in a few VCs, a few angels, and quite a number of, uh, of space uh, uh, companies as well. When we started this, uh, the organization of this meeting, um, I was very um, leery to organize it because I thought we'll end up with 40 or 50 companies and one or two VCs. Um, in fact, we had a full house. Um, we had about 30 or so uh, folks from the investment side of the house with, uh, I forget the numbers, but 60 to 80 folks on the space business side of the house. Mary, if I'm not, I'm about in that time frame, yes. Um, so much, much bigger financial participation than expected. And since the conference, for months, we would, bit, we would get uh, contacted by other VCs who would, have, would, who, uh, who would have heard, speak French all weekend, who would have heard uh, the success of the conference and were now interested in meeting space companies, looking to invest in them. And now we're into that matchmaking mode, right? Like an accelerator would. So those are things that we can do that will help support you. STDP will be discussed at length at this conference, but already, um, at least since, uh, since my term, we've tripled the investments in STDP because we realized how important it was for the space community. And not only that, the, 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 the part of the STDP that is on grants and contribution, which invests in your good ideas as opposed to our good ideas, is growing fast, right? So we're investing to help you do some R&D that hopefully you'll find a way to commercialize. And we've also made STDP a whole lot more accessible to small businesses going forward because you've asked us to do that. We listened, we made the changes. Happy with those changes, but you'll have another opportunity at this conference to tell us what else we can do to improve STDP. So, you know, we're looking at a renewed, very dynamic um, new space program where we at the CSA also need to change to make sure we're gonna meet the expectations of government so that we're well prepared when we go up for the next investment. So in conclusion, the Space Advisory Board made some very, very strong recommendations to the government in declaring that the space program become a strategic national asset. We've made it very clear that we heard them and concur. 
Space is a strategic national asset. It's in black and white in our strategy. We have taken a preeminent position in government in terms of visibility, in terms of hopes of being able to deliver on the benefits. The challenge is on. We now need to behave, act, and collaborate in such a way that we will be able to maintain that innovation preeminence because that will be the key of securing large investments tomorrow. So with that, my time is up. Thank you very much. I wish you all a very good conference. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of the SpaceQ podcast. If you like this show, please support us on Patreon. The address is patreon.com slash spaceq. We really appreciate feedback. And to help us, we ask you consider to write a review on Apple Podcast or Google Play Music if you're so inclined. If you have any comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca or you can post them on our website at spaceq.ca where you'll find an archive of each episode. If you send me a comment by email, I'll write back to you as soon as I can. On Twitter, you can follow us at Canada in Space. And if you use Facebook, you can find all our articles and links to the podcast on our page, The Space Q. If you like the show, please subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app.